From Suffolk County, New York, this program is sponsored in part by WUSB, Long Island's largest non-commercial free-form radio station. Check them out at 90.1 FM or online at WUSB.FM. Previously on Writers Come Ice Cream. My name is Howard Gunston, and I want to be a writer when I grow up. I got a bad feeling about this. So I've got to know, what's it take to be a writer? Unfortunately, I don't feel it is quite right for my list. Star Wars, The Rebirth. How our family writing started was I wanted my children to keep working during the summer at something. If I kick my ass into gear and write, how do I turn this love of writing into a career? This is Writer's Comma Ice Cream, a weekly craft talk where a pair of scribblers risk brain freeze to answer one question. What's it take to be a writer? years ago, I knew enough about writing to ditch the title first threat, but not enough to understand how broken my manuscript was. Milan Jansa was not having a good day. His small studio apartment overlooking one of the many hilly vistas of Slovenia had lost power during the night, completely killing his alarm clock. Now, this I've... is our senior ice cream purchaser, Artie Gunston, reading from the prologue of my untitled masterpiece. The day would only get worse. He jammed the pull-out bed back into his couch mode, ignoring the corners of sheets and blankets poking through between the cushions and hunted instead for his wallet. My writing muscles had atrophied since college, but whatever remained of that once impressive gun felt pretty proud of this eight-page opener. A prologue that introduces us to a character who has nothing to do with the story proper and is dead by page eight. Impressive, right? If I'm chasing that capital W, then the first step is figuring out how to sustain an entire novel, because Milan wasn't cutting it. Would you like to read your page? I would. What are you reading from? Um, I am reading from an untitled novel, because I've changed the title three times so far. Um, so this is actually the first chapter. This would be the point of entry of the story. Okay. So. Point of entry, getting technical. I am getting technical. Okay. All right. But I know all the language. I'm paying so. for an MFA, so I have to be technical. You know what I mean? <laughs> Okay. This is Carrie Horner. Ever wonder how it feels to be the asshole? Charlie's sitting with his legs up on the coffee table watching basketball. He's still wearing his black socks, the ones he wears when he, with his work slacks. All of his work socks are black. They don't annoy me as much as his misshapen tube socks that sag around his ankles and collect little rough lint balls. He only wears those on weekends. I first met Carrie in a weekend-intensive novel class, and three years later, she's very close to the finish line. I change out of my work clothes into jeans, lie belly down on the floor, and quietly tug my overnight bag, which I've kept packed under the bed for weeks, waiting for the right moment, waiting for courage. Carrie and I are similar in a lot of ways. We both discovered a love of writing at an early age, and we both deviated from that passion as adults. We're both pursuing an MFA in creative writing to change that, but Carrie is a few steps ahead. If I want to know what it'll take to corral my own beastly manuscript into shape, then Carrie Horner offers me a great case study. 
So can I say, since you've asked me to do this podcast and you mentioned the ice cream thing, yes. that every single day I've been craving some form of ice cream. Um, I probably gained about five pounds just from preparing for the show. Well, uh, as I do recall, we had an, we, we did have an offer on the table to do this earlier, but someone decided they didn't want to have ice cream at that time. I didn't want to have ice cream at dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> at that time. What we've already done so far in, in the show, figuratively, <laughs> is... Um, We've talked with some people that just kind of enjoy writing and that either they still write or they have stopped writing, but at one point just kind of enjoyed writing or do enjoy writing casually. But it's this idea of kind of getting to a moment where you actually feel like you can say, I'm a writer. So if you're at like a cocktail party and someone is, because you know, I go to cocktail parties, that's (laughs) what I do. Um, And someone's like, oh, what do you do? You know, oh, I'm a writer. Um, One of the things that I'm interested in knowing is at what point in a writer's journey, they feel comfortable as that being the defining thing that they say about themselves, like professionally. So I'm wondering where you are on that journey. When you meet people and they're engaging in occupation, what do you say you do? I think I distinguish between my day job, which pays my bills, and then that I'm also a writer. Um, But I, I think there's a stigma with writing. Like if you're a writer and you're not published, and you say to someone you're a writer, then first of all, they're going to ask you, so what have you published? And if you have nothing to show for it, then you almost have to defend what you're doing. Yeah, I'm like um, more comfortable saying I'm a student or I'm an aspiring yes. novelist rather than just like owning it and saying I'm a writer. But occasionally, too, I'll be like, I'm working on a novel. I think it also depends on the people at this cocktail party, um, mm. if, if I feel like they will get it or not. Um, because then it's always followed up by those conversations like, well, what are you writing? Is it Fifty Shades of Grey? That's that's the biggest question I've been hit with lately. Um, is is it Fifty Shades of Grey? Which is, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> well, but but why hope not though? If you think about it, how much money did that like you would be able to quit your job? It's, if you, you wrote, know, sh- you know, I mean, maybe make this Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> and then that solves a number of problems right there. It, it does, except for that I don't know. Well, but no, I mean that's an interesting thing. Like, when do you define yourself as a writer? And I think more recently, in the past couple. of I would say the past two years since I've started working on this particular novel, I think I've basically um, resigned myself to the fact that I am a writer, that I've been fighting for several decades here to try and not be a writer because it's not a really wise career choice. Let's face it. You know, the the people who, like we were just saying, Fifty Shades, what are the chances that your book's going to become that popular no matter what you write? Um, but I think now I consider myself a writer because... I can't really go without writing. Like if, if I, I didn't write yesterday and now I'm sort of getting the urge like, oh my God, I have to write, like I have to. It's not a job. It's not something that I force myself to do. It's something that I actually have to do. Because um, if I don't, it wakes me up in the middle of the night and then I have these characters in my head that are telling me stories and it's, I like to sleep. So um, <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's not so much, a, I think I've stopped looking at it as a career and looked at it more in an art, like an artistic perspective and it's something I have to do to be who I am. It's something I have to do to make my days worthwhile and I think I'm a happier, better person when I'm writing. You read from what is your thesis. Yes. So where in the thesis process are you right now? Listener, thesis is what it's all about for MFAers. It's that work we want to see the light of day. Proof of a mastery over one's craft, vetted by the academy. Maybe it's a screenplay, collection of short stories, poems, a memoir, or, as in Carrie's case, a novel. 
I am at the point where I thought it was pretty close to being done, and then I wrote a new chapter, which has led to more new chapters. Um, so I feel like the story is there. Um, I'm gonna like if I'm gonna give you percentage wise, and I remind everyone that I was an English major and not great with math, but I'm gonna go with an 85% statistic of being done. Um, I feel like in the next few months I might finish the chapters that I really think need to be there to tell the story the way I want it told. And then I think I'll be spending a lot of time just um, revising, doing, you know, edits. Um, I'm at the point now where I've been able to lay out the chapters, the order of which they're going in. And so I can see these gaps where I really feel like these characters just appear and maybe the reader's going to want to know where they came from. And so now I have to go back and sort of write these introductions, um, which I'm actually finding most challenging because to sort of feed the information but make it, like, I know it's work. I know it has to be done in order to tell the story, but I need the reader to, to go along with it. Like, the, I don't want to interrupt the flow, and I think that's why it's challenging right now. Okay, so we're not exactly alike. I've got two decades on a story, and Carrie's 85% done with a draft she started just two years ago. For those of us who aspire to be where Carrie is, honing in on a solid draft, she represents an endpoint that can often feel elusive. Writing can be such a solitary endeavor, and because we surround ourselves with books, the successes of other authors, it can feel like we're the only ones bowing to the pressure of that capital W. When we hit a snag, it's quicksand, pulling us down so hard and so fast that we'd rather crawl out and retreat than plow on. But Carrie's journey offers hope here too, because she wasn't always going to be a novelist. In fact, she was about to retreat herself. So that's an interesting story. Um, this was, I had been out on, I'd taken a leave of absence for almost two years. I'd been out for maternity leave, and then my mother got ill, and so I took two full years off, and I was actually thinking of just not coming back to the program, and then my husband started taking classes at another school, and I'm like, well, let me just go back, and at least let me try and get this degree. I was working on a memoir, and I was going to um, submit it, and then I felt like it just really wasn't my memoir anymore. It wasn't, I had started writing it in my 20s, and I think I thought I knew a lot about myself and my life, and now... Listener, I definitely knew what I was doing when I took Intro to Creative Writing my freshman year, until we got to the fiction section, and my writing mentor gave me advice that's as true today as when he said it in 93. Write what you know. 18-year-old Howie couldn't understand the value in that. How could one dream up new inventions and worlds and technologies if we were confined to writing what we knew? I don't know how warp speed works, only that the Enterprise is capable of it. I felt my authorial voice challenged. What I couldn't understand, frankly, what my immature, self-conscious ego couldn't register, wasn't that Joe Ditta wanted to stifle my imagination. Quite the opposite. He wanted me to unleash it, to own it. To know the creatures of my imagination as well as Michael Crichton knew the dinosaurs of Jurassic Park. But now on the other side of 30, I can look back and be like, wow, I'm, I didn't know as much as I thought I did. And the story I was telling really wasn't the story. And that I probably need another decade or two of perspective to, if I'm going to write a memoir. Um, and also didn't help that my memoir was about losing a lot of weight and I had somehow gained some of that weight back. And so it didn't really seem like it was going anywhere. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, so what am I going to do? I have nothing to write for this class. And so what I just read to you, um, this was the first chapter, but this was one of the first scenes that came to me where I have this woman 
who I didn't really know her. I didn't even have a name. And she's breaking up with this guy, but she's she's lying to him to she you know she made up this fictitious affair to get away from him. And so I think I was just sort of caught on this idea of like what would make this woman so desperate that she'd need to lie and make up an affair and and who is she that she didn't just have an affair or that she mm-hmm. didn't just leave. And so I started to explore that and that's sort of how this has grown into a novel. In two years, Carrie jumped genres, chased down a character, found her voice, and got herself on target to graduate in 2016. Only one thing remains, finishing that thesis. You're working with Ursula right now as your thesis advisor. Yes, Very Um, honored, yes. So actually, she hasn't even been reading it like in chronological. It's like it's literally as it's coming out of the printing press. Yes, she's not seen the second half. Um, I, I tend to try and... I tend to try to edit some of the stuff before I give it to her. I have several revisions because she's really big on revisions and that's something she's really taught me is revising. Again, in my 20s, I'm like, I don't really need to revise because I think like my best work comes out on the first try. It's, again, very organic. And now I realize like, wow, no, that's just you getting your ideas down. Um, so really big on revision. I did once give her a chapter that I had just completely just written down and literally hit the sent button and it didn't go over so well. And then I realized it was pretty terrible. So, um, <laughs> but she's not seen the second half of the book, actually. She's only seen the first half because. So bring us into that moment, though. So when you just hit send and you didn't do your filter on the revision of that, would you share, like, what, what, was, what were some of those responses that? Because I think that's common. I mean, I'm the same way. Like, yeah. I will write and then I'll be very happy with what I wrote. Mm-hmm. And then I'll come back to it later on and I'll see things that I don't see in that moment. But that's all part of that revising thing. So yeah. what was it that she saw that you in that moment didn't see when you pressed send and were like, this is going to be good? Well, I didn't know. So in this particular case, I didn't know if it was going to be good. I um, I tried to clean up the story. I, I had several suggestions where people who have a different method of writing told me, you need to know where this the story is going to end. So even if you write a false ending, just sort of get it down, get it out there so you know what you're writing towards. And that is somewhat helpful because you don't just want to go on writing forever. But in this case, I really just tried to tie everything up neatly and kind of by doing it neatly, um, I kind of messed it up. And Ursula, Ursula's response is something along the lines of, um, <clears throat> yeah, this chapter, maybe you just want to leave it for like a really long time. <laughs> and maybe you might not want to come back to it. I mean, you might. I mean, it's your story. You can totally, but you might just not want to come back to this. Um, do you write every day? How do you no. structure yourself? Um, I do not write every day. And I, I don't believe in writing every day. I know like 90% of most writers will tell you you have to sit down and write every day. Um, sometimes I need to think through something in my head. Like I'm a very visual person. So a lot of times I see scenes play out in my head and then I have to just sort of work things out before I actually sit down and write. But I also don't always have time to sit down and write. Um, sometimes, you know, because that stupid pesky day job of mine, you get home, you make dinner, you put the kids to bed and it's eight thirty, nine o'clock at night and there's no way I have the energy to sit down and write anything good. Um, so I write when I can, but I, if something really inspires me, I make sure that I, um, I make time. I'll, I'll figure out some sort of way to to make sure that I get at least at least the start down, at least the bones of it. Um, and sometimes, sometimes it's I guess a lunch break. Sometimes on my lunch break, <laughs> or it's a train trip. Sometimes it's sometimes on a train, it's a train trip. trip, and you're stuck for an hour or two, and the Long Island Railroad <laughs> or or breaks out their emergency water <laughs> yes. rations, which yes. 
our boxes. I should have brought the box. I still have the box. I kept it. I didn't the keep box mine. of water that has I a five-year lifespan. I feel like I was span. never going to be in a situation that would be so terrible that I would need that boxed water. You never. Know. We're saving it. Listen, the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> and you've already said that you would be leaving me behind in the zombie I apocalypse. I didn't say that. Can I? No, just, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what you said. I need. I need to clarify this on air. Um, what I said was that some people were going to survive really well. <laughs> A really long time into the zombie apocalypse, and I just didn't feel like you were going to. And it's not—it's not a personal thing. It's just an observation. It's just that you, I would be stepping over you. Is what you, you said. You tripped think. going up the upstairs. I've seen you in action. <laughs> I and, did. It was a full-on trip. And when it comes, I was time, down. When it comes time to fight um, for survival, I just—I feel like you might not. I think as I recall too, as I was laying on the staircase, you just looked at me and said, "And this is why." You will not survive the zombie apocalypse. It, it's true. I mean, I just, I don't have, I don't have time to drag your body <laughs> from the staircase as zombies are coming. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not a personal thing. I appreciate that about our friendship though, that we can be that honest with each other. That dude, if you're on the verge of dying, you're going to die. It's not like I'm throwing you at the zombies. No. Let's just clear that out. I'm just simply saying that when they're coming at us, I will probably escape. <laughs> because you've already thought this out. I'm well, I'm prepared. Indeed, Carrie may very well be ready for the zombie apocalypse, but how ready is she for a different type of challenge? It's time for the ice cream challenge. This okay. is why I'm here. Okay. <laughs> so what do you remember what flavors you asked for? When I when I sent you a link of Ben and Jerry flavors and I said mm-hmm. what what flavors would you like? Well, I felt like that question was let's find the most difficult flavor. So I started with white Russian because I felt like alcohol and ice cream mixed together is always a good way to go. So that was my first choice, I believe. Artie did some sleuthing and discovered <laughs> that um, you, your top choice was discontinued like 19 what? years ago. So apparently they don't update their website at all. <laughs> it's flagged on there. It's flagged as a dead flavor. So but there's, there's it was no, under current flavors. There is no white Russian in here. Um, but you did get your red velvet. Ooh, that's just as good. So let's throw down some mad writer skills right now. Oh, God. Um, we are eating red velvet cake <clears throat> ice cream. I may have already scarfed mine down, so I didn't time this one appropriately. How would you describe it? Remember, listener, we throw writers to the wolves here at Writers, Ice Cream. These brave early guests of the program don't have any warning about the ice cream challenge. Let's see how Carrie solves the problem. Well, I'm going to have to taste it again. Tastes Hang on like. here. First of all, can I just say, you know when it gets like really melty on top and it's like that liquidy deliciousness? Mm. That's what's going on right here. So, yeah, it's it's velvety. <laughs> <laughs> that was very rirely. It's, it's pink. Did you know? Here's a fun little fact because I know a lot about baking and food. Did you know red velvet cake is actually, it's just chocolate cake that's dyed? There may be a little bit of deflection going on here, but listen for when she cycles back around to the challenge at hand. The red, I didn't, I didn't the red know that. is merely for show. It's just food coloring? It is food coloring. Now, I feel you like probably that's don't want to just buy this anywhere, though, because they're going to use that food coloring that kills you. That red stuff has, like, dye and stuff in it. Wait, there's a bad red food color thing? Yeah, most of it. How is this not a known thing? Blue, I feel like that should blue be. And do red. I, am I the only person that doesn't listeners, know this? Listeners, please write into Howie. Is it no, no, blue, it's listener. Listener, <laughs> is it blue number four and red number two or something is bad for you? I mentioned velvety, right? And we're back. The creative juices are recharged. 
There's there's gorgeous little chunks. They're gorgeous. Carrie is beginning with her sense of sight, trying to describe what she sees in this red velvet ice cream. Little chunks of red cake. It's mostly pink, though, really. The ice cream is is more pink than red. Okay. Um, I didn't know I was going to be asked to do this as it's melting. And I'm not going to read. It I off like how you. I, I know. Container. I liked how you were thinking about. Maybe I'll just read the <laughs> container. Or you're not on the ingredient list, which would have been also an easy lie. Well, let me describe exactly what it tastes like. Well, there's the the cream, the cream cheese, and the cream of the milk. This is all going to be edited out, right? <laughs> yeah. um, let me just let me just read it. Boom. I make zero promises. It is velvety, beautiful goodness. Um, there's non-GMO ingredients in it, and it is fair trade sugar and vanilla, so I can eat this without feeling guilty. Um, okay. So this is guilt-free red velvet. Guilt-free red velvet. I like it. Yes, That's the tagline. Now you can decide if you want to charge Ben and Jerry's if they choose to start using that, because we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and I was say thinking. trademark Carrie Horner. Guilt-free red velvet certainly makes me want to reach for another spoonful. Now let's level the playing field for a moment and give Carrie a chance to collect her writerly wits. By changing prompts. I have to ask you if you would be willing Mm-mm. to do a writing prompt. I a have, writing I have prompt? paper and I have a pen. Howie, you so, know how I feel about writing yes, prompts. You, I, I you've, know. You've sat next to me in many classes where I have bitched to no end about how I hate writing prompts. Here's a pen. Writing prompt. I don't... So I'm you'll appre- you are, you'll actually appreciate this because you were with me when I discovered this. Oh and God. so... Um, so that's your writing prompt. And what I would like you to do is only we're going to take just a couple minutes, like five minutes. Okay. And I'd like you to try to tell, as brief as you want it to be, a complete moment. In Free write a complete moment. And then what I'm going to ask you to do yeah. is I'm going to ask you to read the first line and the last line. And it's up to you whether you would like to actually post the entire thing that you write as part of at the end of the 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 season we're going to offer the authors if they would like for their thing to be posted to, so that people can see okay kind of what <laughs> everybody in the same circumstances kind of comes up with with the same prompt everyone's going to have the same prompt so i i, I should mention when people give me instructions i tend to tune out so <laughs> we hadn't noticed really we hadn't we hadn't noticed that so the first, so you just want the first line and the last line, and then you're gonna over. read. A, you're gonna write a complete moment, but I'm okay. only gonna ask you on air right now to the read first and the, the first and last, and then if you w- would like yeah, to contribute to the greater st- good, I actually do have a story for it. I yeah, Great. I can do this. Okay, right. so here we go. So is everyone getting a different prompt? No, or everyone's gonna get the same prompt. The same prompt. The same prompt, and okay. that I think that would make it interesting. You can <clears> that see. is. This is fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's crappy pen, but this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. That's not great. Well, I mean, I, have, I love it. I, Look I, at I that. Wait, wait, let's a, let's acknowledge for the line. let's acknowledge that you had a minute and twenty left on the clock. But I mean, I'm not saying it's good. But now, are you second guessing yourself? Like at the SAT, when you you, you finish the section, you're like, should I finish the section well, this I'm early? Around, like nobody else Am has I, done yeah. it. Or, uh, okay. Um, so lay it on us, Carrie Horner. Well, I mean, so I, I mean, I cheated. There is no middle. I only really wrote the first and last line. So I don't know if. That <laughs> The assignment was to write a complete moment. The problem you were going to just read the first line and last line. The pen I I gave you. I like the the pen you gave me is 
is not really inducive to writing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <So just> okay. <laughs> this is fantastic. All right. All right. So. <laughs> I right. call this efficiency, really. Yeah. Um. <laughs> economical. See, you could be a poet yes. because poets are economical with their yes. word choice. Every word counts. Uh, here we go. Okay. This is my line number one. It was the moment I died, and it wasn't even the worst moment of my day. Oh. Okay, now that's really, really good, but I have to ask you. Yes. Why does that line sound familiar? Is it possible you just unconsciously plagiarized someone? <laughs> We're gonna wow, really have to Google. I don't know. Are we no, going to have to get a law We're going to really have to Google the hell out of that. Say that line again. It was the moment I died, and it wasn't even the worst moment of my day. I swear that sounds so familiar. I love it. I'm going to give you total Are props we for this? it. Uh-oh, Artie's on it. Can, I, can the record played, show? Played, <laughs> can played, the record show I have not checked out any electronic wait devices? Wait, can we just come like what would so he's not the plagiarist. Like what would his title be? Because I'm I just said chief plagiarist, but that wouldn't well, I be mean, it. Chief lie detector. Um, <gasps> chief honest no, cop. No, safe safepaper.com. You know how professors use this like safe submit. Yeah. Safe yeah, submit, I see, think. He yeah, he would know professor. Yes. Um, wow, you're getting all your titles in one, remember, one recording remember today. Remember Howie? No ideas. I are do remember original. Howie. No ideas. He's kind are of original. annoying guy. He keeps <laughs> he doing me to eat some <laughs> ice cream and rescheduling. And, and then some... on the day of the interview, saying, "Hey, can I come 15 minutes late to my own interview? Would you mind?" Well, I just want to know what you're going to do when someone's lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Are they? Releasing one. Wow. Um, huh. It's not coming up in the first 10 Google searches, so I think you're clear. I think you're clear. So I am officially Artie, Artie's copywriting declared. this? It holds up legally. Can, can everyone know this is copyrighted? Carrie Horner, Carrie Horner. August 16th, 2015. Oops. There is a random phone ringing in our office. All right. So love the first <laughs> line. What's the second line? Um, Not as good, but we'll, we'll go with it. Um, I barely even looked up when the brick took its final, I can't read my writing. Again, the pen was bad. Um, took the final something down the wooden plywood slide, finding its final destination, which was me. The dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun yes. Dun. We might actually have a good sound effect for that. I like that. And so with our time winding down at the WUSB studios, it was time to ask Carrie the big question. What's it take to be a writer? Huh, that's a good question. We saved the best for last. Well, I mean, as as you know, every time you, you run into somebody who says, I'm, I want to write or I, I want to be a writer, the biggest thing is to actually write. I mean, am I correct with that? Um, it's, it's actually the discipline to sit down and write. And I think in writing a novel and it being such a big thing is the idea that um, I'm committed to, to getting to the end of it. There's going to be an ending. God help me, there will be an ending. Um, but I, th I think that's what it is. It's... it's it's commitment. It's a not making any more excuses and just like doing it. Even if it sucks and it's awful, just getting it done and getting it out there. Getting it done and getting it out there. Carrie Horner is doing just that. She's discovered a writing style that works for her, prioritized writing in her life, and even runs a blog at accidentalsushi.com. That line of demarcation, when an aspiring novelist becomes a published author, is within sight for her. But what happens when a writer finally gets there? That's next time on Writers, Ice Cream, and a Debut Novel with Matthew Seary. You know what we didn't bring? Something to cut the...
Chief Ben and Jerry New title. opener. <laughs> Chief, Chief, this episode already is Chief Ben and Jerry opener. Somebody just got a promotion. Promotion. <laughs> and just like a writer, it comes with no money. 